What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? This is your girl, Saint Win. I may be your friend, I may be your foe, I don't know. But all I know is that I'm excited because I have another amazing guest with me today. Somebody who we actually go way, way, way back. Not that way back, but, you know, way back in the early 2000s and uh, 2010s. Uh, and so we just decided to connect and talk about a couple of hot topics that's been uh, out there in the world. So, Sean, if you don't mind, just go ahead and introduce yourself so we can go ahead and jump in. Hello, everyone. My name is Sean Nix. I'm also a podcast hoster as well of For Millennials in Politics 2.0. Uh, I'm so glad, Saina, that you allowed me to come on today to discuss these hot topic issues that typically I don't get to discuss on my show. <laughs> well, we can definitely link up this more and do this and vice versa because same. Um, so what, what Sean is talking about, I actually just put like a little call action on Facebook or just saying that I think I'm going to talk about Casey Anthony and Wednesday and maybe something else on the show. And then Sean hit me up and said, oh, Casey Anthony was his jam back in the day. And I'm like, OK, let's talk about it. Because what you were about, because before we started talking, you were like, you don't think it's, you don't think it's the dad. You think it's definitely the Casey. I honestly think it's the dad. <laughs> so we're going to have a debate, apparently. Okay. I believe it was a mixture of the two. Mm, okay. Okay. I can, I can see that because... The way, because the only thing I did watch, uh, so just to give you preference, I just watched the little show on Peacock, um, three, the three episode show, yes. because I didn't really keep up with it. Cause as you reminded me, it was during the same time right after Trayvon Martin. So I think that's one of the things that had my attention. So, and what we talked about is just white woman's tears just running their ugly heads. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where we should. Should we start with Casey? No, I want to hear about you first. I want to catch up with you because I feel like the last time I even saw you on campus because we went to school together, I don't know, maybe some Greek events. And then I just feel like you disappeared. <laughs> yes, I did. I disappeared. Okay. I went deep down into my books and because okay. I was ready to graduate. <laughs> yep, yep. Okay. And, and I also developed a passion for political activism. Mm, okay. But being a member of the LGBTQ community and being a black member of the LGBTQ community, I saw the inequities um, that existed in, in, in my society, in the LGBTQ community, as well as just in the general population here in Chattanooga, Hamilton County, Tennessee. Um, and since then, I have started a nonprofit for the LGBTQ community called the I Am Foundation. And we service at-risk youth between the ages of 13 to 21. And we help these individuals um, cope with traumatic um, events that have happened in their life. Um, we focus on social emotional learning and we mm. use um, a method that is used actually throughout the nation on teaching people how to make better decisions to improve their quality of life. Um, I have started my own political strategic firm. It's called the New Southern Democratic Strategic Firm. Uh, and we have ran some very successful races 
uh, flipping some seats and maintaining some seats for those who are members of the Democratic Party or progressive thinkers or independent progressive thinkers um, who believe in the ideology uh, of the overall Democratic Party. Uh, I myself, have I've been the vice chair of the Hamilton County Democratic Party. And during my tenure, I made it an obligation uh, and a, a moral obligation for us to put dollars into back into the Black community. Um, the Black community is the backbone of the Democratic Party. Uh, and so I wanted to make it known that the Democratic Party just doesn't want you for your votes when it's time for you to vote. We want you 365 days out of the year. And we need your hands, your feet, your minds, and we need your dollars as well to continue to run progressive candidates and to close the gap that exists in our communities on many different facets. Um, and I've ran actually for office, unsuccessful run, but my first run. And I learned so much in my my first political race myself as the candidate. I learned so much because as a campaign manager or as a strategic uh, coordinator, it's a little different um, than mm -hmm. actually having your name on the sign, actually have answered the hard questions and give a very unpopular answer, but it is the medicine that is needed to cure the ailing body of our society. Mm. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely, I'm pretty sure we'll get into that um, moving forward in our conversation. Because yeah. the body politic in, in America, the fever, you know, Obama said, you know, the fever will break and that was in 2013, yeah, 2013, 2014. The fever hasn't broken. If we were if the if we were to take the American body politic to the American hospital, the body politic will be running a hundred and fifty degree fever. Mm. <laughs> you ain't lying. So now we have to think of the strategies that are being used on the right, the extreme right, that is southernizing America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that phrase, Southern Life, because there is that the mindset of like with the evangelical politician, which to me is oxymoronic because they shouldn't really be occupied in the same body because exactly. of church and state, you should be separated. But now the mindset is completely being combined and is not leaving any room for growth is very antiquated the thoughts that they are they are perpetuating and i'm tired of it so i completely cannot wait to get bored to this conversation <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so can i ask you this before we jump into like casey anthony and just different things just what are some of the the, the things you the, that you learned after you ran your race just this what did you find any correlations between why the, the black vote is so hard to get sometimes with the Democratic Party or what's driving us away from the Democratic Party? What's, yes. What's did you learn? I, I learned a lot. Um, I learned one as a black gay male. I learned that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's always that it's a 
I have one thing I want to say about blackness. I love the nonverbal verbal com- communication you just had in that one pause. <laughs> right. Because in the black community, mm-hmm. and I'm just gonna be uh, I'm gonna be real honest, the black gay male is not considered a full person in the mm. black community. Mm. We are not considered a half of a person Damn. in the black community. We are considered a quarter or a third. And you cannot expect for people to understand you. And you're meeting them where where they are when they have this block of... Because the Black people are conservative. Black people are one of the most conservative block of voters in the American body politic, believe it or not. Yeah, that's one thing I have heard. And you as a black gay candidate, you run into so many doors of no because of who you love Mm. of the black church. Mm. Now let's talk and let's get into this because we both grew up in the black church. Yeah. Well, so, I, because I have an interesting intersectionality. I actually grew up with people, my like family members who are uh, in the Christian church, but I actually grew up with Islamic background because my dad was a Muslim. Right. But we didn't, we didn't do either one hard. But when I got to college, yeah, I was definitely say I was starting to get more of the black church energy. Right, and mm-hmm. so in the black church, it is okay. For the gay choir director to be Mm -hmm. present. Mm -hmm. It is okay for the gay um, praise team member to be present. Um, The gay cook. um, The the gay individual that's going to coordinate the uh, pastor's anniversary. But Mm -hmm. it's not okay for the black gay individual to have a significant voice in the black church nor in the black community mm-hmm. because we hold a, a mirror to the black community itself and say we are the same how can you discriminate against me yeah, yeah. we struggle in the same different facets of life anything you want to level up against education, mental health, uh, Mm. physical health. um, It it doesn't matter. Job readiness. The black gay individual, let it be black gay male, uh, black gay female, bisexual, transgender. We are going to, whatever the black straight individual is going to rate in a percentage, we are going to be half of that. Wow. That's on the text Mm -hmm. of, of homelessness. That Ooh. is the text of when you come to job preparedness, unemployment, um, a high school graduation rate, re-equivalency and literacy. We we struggled in a gambit and we should be, and this is one thing that I like about um, Jesse Jackson and the Rainbow Push Coalition. Mm-hmm. He said, we are not going to focus on the individual, what they do in their home because mm-hmm. them in their God. 
But what we do want is to make sure that their voices are heard, their rights are not abridged, because when one sect of population rights are abridged, that's when everyone should be on alert, because right. they're, they're coming for you next. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think is that uh, did did you notice that maybe more black gay men were voting for Trump or just not voting at all? Oh well, you know, I saw a lot of and, and it's a thing because when we talk about black gayness in the black community, there are there's a population of black men who don't consider themselves as gay, even though they do sleep with men. Mm-hmm. So you have that macho, and you, you, this is what I loved about Trump because he exposed the black Republicans that exist within our community. And mm-hmm. this is nothing wrong against my friends that are on the right, and I understand why they are Republicans. Um, it's a fiscal issue. Some of them call themselves the Frederick Douglass wing of the uh, Republican Party. Um, they have uh, um, the black black Trump part of the Republican Party. So I I get it. I understand. And I was able to coalesce a coalition of Black Republicans to support me in my race, believe it or not. Um, Because it's when it's when it's all boiled and said and done, when it comes down to it, um, when you're trying to get something done, you need money to make that happen. Right. And if you have no vision as a candidate to meet the needs of not only your business community, but also your community at large to improve the uh, the quality of life for those of whom you hope to serve, you have to be able to have a give and take. You have to be able to build relationships. Now, the business community here in Chattanooga, Hamilton County, they have a true opportunity to meet people where they are and meet the needs of the community where government, for some odd reason, has not been able to get it together. Mm. Yeah. Do you do you do you know why that is or it's just. Uh, well, it's a it's a many facets. You have some people who are uh, who are in government for themselves as a career. They look at right. it as a career. Um, you have some people who are in government that definitely have no reason to be in government. They have uh-huh. it's no reason for them to be. Uh, in the seat that they are, but because of the population, uh, because of the voting demographics and where they run, they're gonna win. So that's gonna that's gonna put the the whole county, the whole community at a disadvantage. Right. Uh, we have a county mayor right now who is running up a thirty thousand dollar attorney fee. Um, only because he's wanting to remove um, the county attorney who has a contract going into for the rest of t- into 2024, uh, if I'm correct. And now it's just a tit for tat. And all of the momentum that the previous administration, even though he's a Republican, Jim Coppinger, amongst the other members of the county commission, were doing great things to move Chattanooga forward and was giving who will ever be the next county mayor a a good position to come in on. Uh, Mm -hmm. And now all of that momentum, all of that steam, all has 
almost evaporated throughout the county. And now you only have a small section of the county that has some trickles of um, innovation and creativity that will move the, the city of Chattanooga forward. But there's still those pushes and pulls of the old guard moving out of the way and allowing this new generation of millennials, new generations of Gen Zs, new generation of voters to come in and actually set the tone for the next decade. Yeah. So the same the same thing that's going on nationally is going on just even in a small uh, city like Chattanooga, where exactly. old people, the older people, just not getting out the getting out the way and letting new blood in and be able to do do things differently because that's what's been going on for decades and I am so tired of it. But I'm proud of people like you and like you said, the millennials, the younger uh, millennials and the Gen Zs and the new generation of voters coming in. I have one more question. I just because we talked about this in one of my group chats. Did you hear about the 18 year old mayor in that small town? Yes, I'm so excited and I am. I'm so glad that someone like him ran and won. Me too. Now, I, I didn't know about it until I saw that he won. I was like, what? Okay, that's pretty cool. Me and my friends were like, one of my friends, she was, she was wondering, she's like, does an 18-year-old have the capacity to run a city? I was like, shoot, we give them guns and tell them to go to war. Might as well give it a chance. But do you have any, like, um, opinions on that, just his ability to run effectively as an 18-year-old person? I believe he will definitely be able to run efficient and effectively because people must understand the role of government and what an executive actually has the power to and not to do. Okay. And the boss of the executive, depending on that city's charter, is the city council. There's checks and balances. Uh Okay. So the mayor is the executive of that city or municipality, and they just can't do whatever they want to do. They have, if they want, they have to submit a budget. Um, They have to um, submit purchasing orders to the city council for it to be approved. Um, If they want to um, have certain things changed in the charter, they first must send it to city council. City council must have a first and second and maybe third read through it before it's actually approved. Um, the, and it, the most important thing that the mayor does is actually create a budget. Okay. And because the budget is where the, the dollars go in that municipality to make that municipality run. Now, depending on this municipality, they might be in the business of education, whereas this municipality here in Chattanooga is not. So he might have a larger budget to work with and make and maneuver to meet the needs and meet some of the goals that he had in his um, a platform. Okay. So it depends on who he has around him, uh, who's his advisors, who's going to be working in the mayor's council, Mm -hmm. uh, the relationships that he has to develop, or if he has, if he already has these relationships developed with city council members to get a budget approved. Oh, okay. See, that's what I was wondering because uh, that's the that's the same point I made. Besides the military portion, I said I'm pretty sure you're going to have. How long as he can 
um, get some great people around him with new ideas to help him push forward his agenda, hopefully he can do something. You know, it's just, it's all about, like you said, who's around him. So I'm wishing him luck because I think newer is better than, than the old antiquated people that we've been, that's been pushing our country not even for just kind of keeping dragging his feet in the same. We're stagnant. We're very we're in, stagnant. We're like the economics. The country is in a stagnant but progressive mo uh, upward mobility. If I if that makes sense, like if we take <clears throat> one step forward, mm -hmm. but then we'll take three steps back. Mm-hmm. And then we'll try to uh, correct those steps that we that we that we've done. But that older generation, man, you know, they vote. They they do. They hold <laughs> they, on. They, they come vote. out and vote. Them baby boomers, those that salad generation. Mm -hmm. um, the they don't. Baby. They don't talk about it. They be about it. They be at the at the polls. Oh yeah, you can count on the rain, sleet, or snow. They are the postmen. Yep. They deliver. They <laughs> completely. I completely agree. <laughs> well, I know we can talk about this forever, and I would love to definitely have a conversation all about this because you're giving me a, some education in the way that I can understand it, and that's what I want this podcast to be about. It's just delivering information in a digestible way. But I also like the tea. I want to talk about. <laughs> I want, oh, oh, damn. Okay, first, can we talk about, no, we're going to talk about um, Casey Anthony, but right. I want to talk about Brittany Gardner, uh, Grinder as well. Do, should we do that now? I feel Let's like talk about it. BG. I'm glad Let's talk BG about it because the way, the way the black males and males have Child. been on this, on this, on Beyonce's internet talking cash money shit. About it being a bad trade is pissing me off, and, and I'm it's like, not. And, and they and my thing about it is they talking about something that they ain't never talked about before in their life. Never. They don't they know any like, information about it, like sir. Right. Sirs, read they, a book they, first. What they what they call him? Um, the Merchant of Death. And they like he a Merchant of Death. They don't have no idea who they release. Now, Do you now to give to to give them credit. The movie the Lord the uh, the Lord of War. Right, it is about him. War it is Dark. about him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was my like when I was doing criminal justice, we had to watch that movie in one of my classes. We had to take a um we had to write a like a three-page paper, but he was one of my favorite like terrorist guys because he was about his money and that was it. Like if it wasn't green, it wasn't for him. Like he was a stripper for the terrorists, like no lies. That he made it work. <laughs> he made it work. He made it work. But at the end of the day, he helped get some of the people that we wanted off of the face of the earth anyway. Mm -hmm. So, like, he was doing the United States a favor, but it just got too much. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but I'm glad BG is home. I do not think that was a bad trade. Me um, neither. Me I neither. would have liked for it to have been the original trade, which it was. It would have been a two for two, so, right? The Paul guy and her, right? Because yeah. Paul Whelan, he's a former U.S. Marine. They say he's a spy. He has never worked for the CIA or the NSA or U.S. Department of Homeland Security. He does have clearances, but not to that extent for him to be classified as a U.S. spy. 
Um, but we do have U.S. spies that are on the field right now that are out in the field uh, in their headquarters throughout Tehran. Ooh, I'm giving too much information. Oh. <laughs> I will take that out. Let me flag it. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have, um, uh, you know, our our service men and women who go unseen who do the work day in and day out to actually help bring people like BG home because there are millions of Americans. I wouldn't say millions, but there are Americans that are being held as political prisoners um, yeah. throughout the world. And right. it's, and it's not just in Russia. We have some in Venezuela. We have mm-hmm. some in um, some Asianic countries. Uh, so we have some in Tehran, in Iran, which I'm so glad the women of Tehran, of Iran are, are rising up. Um, they are fighting for what, now that is what democracy looks like. Mm-hmm. The, the people actually being able to sway the government, because I feel like America... We don't control our government. Our government controls us. And And you right. And I'm going to tell you why. Mm -hmm. It's the education system. Completely. Now, I taught taught eighth grade history for three years. And when eighth grade social studies is U.S. history. Okay. And the U.S. history that is being taught in our schools is not the U.S. history that should be taught. It's very watered down. It is very whitewashed. Um, it does not include all of the voices of the people of history that it would represent. Right. And so my goal um, was to implement some of that 1619 project yeah. <laughs> into that the school system. Mm-hmm. And so you know that came with a hard, that was a hard no and that's the crazy thing because it was such a unbiased just real look at american history like it it taught me so much that i didn't even know and that put me on my journey of learning more about black history and just re uh just realizing again that how how tainted American history is like so much of the stuff that I learned in because I listened to the podcast I'm like I didn't know this I didn't know that and it started to help decolonize my mindset about America and and who America is and you know what Uh, honestly a white guy actually wrote one of the best books on American history and he made one of the best documentaries um Oliver Stone the untold story of American history and it goes from um Reconstruction to Bush. Okay. I'm definitely putting that in the show notes. <laughs> um, and so it 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 gives a true full vision of what happened, why certain things happened the way it happened, and what what if this hadn't happened? Mm-hmm. And what if these people did actually achieve everything that was originally promised to them? What if they got that? Mm. The playing field would have been equal from the start. Are you talking about just us getting our 40 acres of the mule or even? Oh, I'm talking about voting rights, women's rights. I'm talking about reparations. Oh, it Mm -hmm. runs the gambit. Mm. So in that book? Okay, definitely got to read that book. (laughs) Because I just from imagination period, just you can see 
what we could have had just as a country because mm-hmm. we act like we can't do good to make things better it always like has to be some antiquated caveat in order for us to get what we really want but all we have to do is just do right by people <laughs> like right like what they did with bg they mm-hmm. did right by her they right. got her home exactly they, and you know i'm glad that um women were able to put the pressure on the president. Mm-hmm. Women, uh, outside groups, um, yeah. the United Nations, I know the former governor of um, New Mexico, uh, Governor Richardson, who's the former ambassador to the United Nations, uh, Ambassador Richardson, he has an outside group that actually works to get people who are political prisoners free. Ooh. And so he was able to do something to bring these two countries that right now, one is at war and one is supplying the war. America is supplying Ukraine to fight the Russians. So mm-hmm. right now that what no discussions was fruit, fruitful discussions were actually being had until the outside groups, outside group came and to bring these two countries to the table to get things done. And right. that's what it's about um, to get things done, meeting people where they are, putting personal agendas aside to do what's right for the common good. Right. And I think with with Brittany, we all knew that was a ploy. It was that she was being used as political ploy um, with the because it was only what, 0.8 of a gram of residue and for nine years and right around you about to start a big war with America. Right. Well, a big war with Ukraine. Ukraine, excuse me. Yes. And they were using her and they started their war a week after they uh, put her in prison. And so, and, 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 the, and that's what I say. It's much bigger than Brittany uh, Griner. It's much bigger than what we are seeing. This is, and this is what the Russians do. This is what the KGB has done. And you have to keep in mind that we are dealing with a KBG mastermind who yes. is, his name is Vladimir Putin. Mm-hmm. And so, he is trying to use all sorts of uh, media propaganda that he mm-hmm. can to try to disseminate America and bring down American resolve. Yep. Because the thing is, Ukrainian he was... War. Say that last part, I'm sorry. In funding you the Ukrainian war, I apologize. Oh, yeah. No worries. Me too. You know, I just said we were in war with, with Russia, Lord have mercy. No, we not. Knock on wood that we don't ever. But... <laughs> Because I feel like he definitely, you're right, he played that because maybe 10 years ago, a black woman definitely would not have, he would not have used a black woman. But because of what we've been going through with the racial reckoning of America and how what we're doing with LGBTQ rights, he used the perfect representation of those two, my, or these two minority groups being not cared for by America to further- Well, three. Well, yeah. You got exactly, yeah, re- woman, exactly. Women, I forgot about and she's abortion rights. Yes, mm-hmm. he was the perfect representation of all three of these minority groups to show that mm, America don't really care about y'all because we got one of your own. Exactly, and what are you gonna do about it? Exactly, and it took what was she in there for ten months? Eight months? Uh, roughly ten, roughly ten. So it took ten months for them to show that they gave a fuck about a woman, um, black gay woman 
to get her out. And that was the point. Oh. If she was white, she would have been out yesterday. Two uh, days ago. Yeah, I, I could see. Maybe. That. I don't know. I, it would have been, it would definitely would have been much sooner than, mm-hmm. you know. It wouldn't it wouldn't have taken 10 months, I don't think. I, I don't think it would have taken 10 months, months, but I, I do think that, you know, white women has launched a, a thousand ships before. So <laughs> I, I don't uh, that could have started a war. Right. Depending on the white woman, I don't know which white which white woman would have started. <laughs> that could have honestly, that could have started. I mean, that has started That's- wars before. Right, Maybe. I'm not. I'm, that's why I'm like, mm, they definitely would have. They would have fought for her. some some militia group would have found their way over there, and it would have been a and hell see, of a my thing. All of these proud boys and yes. all rights and one percenters. Mm-hmm. Where are they when you need them? Right now, on January sixth, I was sitting in mm. the middle of my bed <laughs> watching the country. Burn, child. On a, on a well, on a Zoom with my administrator saying, "I'm gonna turn in my, <laughs> what? Turn in my stool. I'm gonna turn in my um my lesson plans in like one more hour. Just give me a minute." But I'm watching the country dissolve right now. Right. So like, I need all of these type <laughs> people. We need to put them on the front lines. I'm like, if y'all love America. I'm like, if y'all want to battle so bad, we got a couple of things that we can p- occupy your time. Right. Like, they say they love the red, the white, and the blue, the old glory. They want to fight mm-hmm. for the uh, gr- um, the manifestation, the great mm-hmm. manifestation and manifest destiny mm-hmm. me, of America from sea to sign and sea and maybe from coast to coast. Then let, let's fight for let's fight for ending tyranny across the globe. Exactly. And like, but no, because your best friend president is best friends with Putin. Child, don't even get me started on 45. Right. Look, look, we already we 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 I think we touched a lot on Brittany Garner. Let's go ahead and get into white women's tears and how they are one of one of America's abominations. I'm just they, they have <laughs> They have they have caused a lot of drama, uh, and but thing is, I, I think I'm actually on a different side of the white woman's tears. But I get it. We can go ahead and jump into Casey Anthony. Lock because... her up. <laughs> Lock her up. She killed that baby. Her daddy helped her. I'm gonna just go ahead and get to the punch. She killed that baby. She that baby didn't even have a fighting chance. They threw that baby's body in the back. Uh, in the trunk of the car, rolled around with that baby's body for a month. The daddy found out and was like, are you crazy? Mm. And then he helped her dispose of that body. Uh, I think different. <laughs> That's the tea. That, now, you said you wanted the tea. That's, okay. That's the tea. Going back to how we was at, 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 at college in little Africa. That's the tea. Not in Little Africa. I had missed Little Africa though, man. It was it's just not a very, the same. It's, and I know it's not the same. It's definitely okay. So this is why I think she didn't do. <laughs> I might be being tricked by white tears, but you let are. me let me look. But let me let me put this in this in this shape. 
I was thinking as soon as I started the the documentary, I was like, oh, this bitch did it. Of course she did. White tears, cry, 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 cry. And so, but then when she mentioned her daddy and what he what all he did to her, and I was like, okay, I can see it. I see it where it could happen where he was started to unfortunately molest Casey, Kaylee, and. She tried to fight or she got loud and he accidentally killed her because she was so young. She was three. And he blamed it on her that it was her fault. But because he was a police officer, he knew how to trick and throw people off. Okay. So he said that she drowned in a pool to trick Casey. And then he buried her. Because he buried her the same way he liked to bury their animals in a place close to the house. But then he told her, go tell them that you went to your babysitter. And that took them, took people away from their house so they won't search around the house. You believe in Simon? I slick believe it. I do. I say lock her up. Now, I've watched <laughs> all the documentaries that have came out. Mm-hmm. I watched the trial. I watched from the moment this went viral, um, the moment that it was on Nancy Grace, because I used to watch Nancy Grace every day. I used to call in to Nancy Grace and be on the show. She knew me by name. What? Yeah, I I, I was that person. <laughs> <laughs> now, I didn't have the tip for a hat, but I was that person to call in. <laughs> Because I'm watching Nancy Grace and I'm following these court cases because I'm oh watching gosh. court TV. Okay. And <laughs> now, I, all of the evidence that compiled now, and and to did you see him on the witness stand, the daddy when he got on the witness stand? Did have you seen that part? I seen a couple of them because he kept getting back on the witness stand six times, and he kept flip flopping his story. And I'm going to tell you why, because he's he is a liar. And okay. that's where she learned how to lie from, because he used to steal the mama's money. Right. And so, you know, when you a thief, you a lie. And when you a lie, you a kill. But I don't think he killed that baby. I think they he helped cover it up. Because he didn't want to go to jail, because then that would expose him. Mm-hmm. Because narcissists don't want to get exposed. Exactly. Narcissists are like super, they they want, they they almost want you to know that you're manipulating, that you're getting manipulated, but they don't want to get caught. So that's why I was like, if he was truly, which I do, because like doing doing some studies in college about like the mind, how it gets so fractured when you're dealing with narcissistic manipulation and also all the uh the work that people get, uh, that trauma where you get encapsulated delusions of what's happening, you can shut your brain off because you get you can dis disassociate. Now, 31 days of disassociation is wild for her to dis disassociate for 31 days and act like her, uh, her baby was not missing. That was crazy. Or like she didn't even have a child because of me, if my child is missing mm -hmm. for 31 days, I'm looking everywhere. I'm not at the club. I'm not getting tatted up. I'm not wilding out. I'm not like uh, girls gone wild. Because that's what she was giving. 
She was definitely giving that. But I I see that that I don't understand how she could have been disassociating for 31 days. But if you've been manipulated and lied to your whole life by your dad, you have you have these really you have this fucked up loyalty to that person, regardless of how he treated you, because your brain is being groomed from a very young age to believe whatever that person is saying. And you think whatever he's doing is love. And that's what that's a cop out. I feel like that's a cop out. I feel like that's a cop out because she's a narcissist herself. Her mm. mom's a narcissist. So they're all battling against each other. So mm. brain. it's like survivor. Right. That's a good point. Cause <laughs> I feel like the mama knew. She oh, the know. mama was going hell. Have you seen the mom and the dad's documentary? No. See, you I need to see, see you got to get Discovery Plus. Oh damn! <laughs> I need you to watch all of these documentaries because you just can't go out what she didn't see. Well, I watched that one and I watched the one from like those outside, um, those outside. Uh, it was on Peacock too. Outside investigators that came in. Uh huh. So I watched that one. I didn't get the dad one because that's the one I want to see too. Because I was I went looking. I was like, man, I want to see what on the parent side. Because we got Casey, we got the third party. Now I want to see what these parents done said and know. And now see the parents, the mom. She was like, well, you taught her how to lie. Mm, and you there you taught go. her how to do this. Mm-hmm. You taught her how to be deceiving and be narcissistic. And he said, well, you have too. We've been lying. This whole marriage has been a sham. What? So, like, when you, like, when you get into it, the whole family just messed up. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's like glass houses are fragile. Mm. You can't throw stones at them too, much, too many times. I think it's definitely going to come down probably in the next couple of years because now the dad is going to feel like he's going to do another show. Cause he ain't gonna do nothing without no without a little money though. Oh, you know he gotta get coin though. He gotta get that coin. He gotta keep up whatever he's doing. Cause I was like, when he was on Doctor Oz mm-hmm. and talking yeah. about Casey's gonna forgive me, she but that's then he kind of snapped out of it and he's like, well, she's gonna have to call me. I was like, bro, what she gotta call you for? What you been? What you talking about? Now I do believe that he's definitely. Um, doing something to that baby because his language that he was using during the funeral gross. It it was a possibility. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Let me let's, uh, allegedly. Allegedly. Everything's alleged. I ain't no lawyer. This is opinions, you know, yada yada yada. <laughs> right. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> but I just I really would love to have a personal sit down with Kate with um with with the whole family actually but individually yes because if everybody's story is almost syncing up because their stories almost sync up the lies that's being told are the same lies they're yeah. just being spun differently but the core of the lie is we didn't do it mm-hmm. but they we did, did Something, something did. Like, I don't, again, I'm not 100% sure that she did it. And I'm not 100% sure that she didn't. I just, I can see how she could not have done it. <laughs> I believe that she sense. did it. I believe that 
her dad helped her helped cover her up cover it up i believe she was sick the child mm -hmm. was getting on her nerves she was well she had came in from a bad day from clubbing she had a hangover the child wouldn't be quiet she was already staying at home with the mom and dad Mm -hmm. So the child wouldn't be quiet and she let the child out or she gave the child some medicine. Mm, you think the zanny, the nanny was medicine? Uh-huh. Mm. And put her down and gave her too much medicine. Mm -hmm. And so when the daddy found, because the dad was the first one to be home. Because remember, the mom was working 14, 15 hour shifts as a mm -hmm. nurse. Right. To keep up this appearance that they was, you know, the the family. family. Right. Yep. Um, leave it the beaver type style family. So I I really believe that the um uh, she did it. Um the dad helped her cover it up and the mom is having to deal with this torment of now she's having to cover up the death of her grandchild because mm -hmm. her daughter killed her and her dad, which is her husband, helped cover it up. Yeah. And it's That's a lot. lot. That's a it's lot. lot. It's a lot. It's just, I don't know. We I wish we'd find out one day. You know who I wish we also found out what happened to? Uh, what's that? Not, not uh, John Bonet. Uh, this one and John Bonet is out now. I remember John Bonet's better than Casey's. Kay Kay Kaylee's. Ugh. Now, John Bonet, I believe the daddy, he just fetishized over her mm. to like an unreal point of like it was just too much. It was just too much, too much of evidence that points to the dad. Right. Um fingerprints, sweat droplets. DNA was just getting started back then, so all of this evidence is still fresh. So mm -hmm. if they would send it off to a crime lab, I'm pretty sure Quantico, they could let you know who did it. Right. Woo. That was crazy. I still, I don't know, man. <sighs> the verdict is still out with me, but you make a valid point. But also, I forgot the dad, he said that he was telling the police that she went to work with the child. And, but then he was like saying that she drowned. Right. But, whew. Well. I know it's a lot going on. I'm thankful, so much thankful that you allowed me to come on your show. Me too. Like, I... I feel like I ran out of things to say on Casey because you kind of you, you you got me think you got me thinking. <laughs> you have to think of. All I'm gonna watch the daddy's nims. I'm gonna watch that. I'm gonna go ahead and give me a free trial of Discovery Plus. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I want to watch also the one with what's his name? Oh God, the Cannibal Boy. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. No, no, I watched that 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 series and I shouldn't have, but I did. Um, I watched the whole thing. Huh? John Wayne Gacy. No, it's no, it's the uh the newer guy, Army Hammer. Did you hear about that one? No. Okay, Army Hammer. He's he's a guy who played in uh the movie with Timothy Chalamet, Say My Name or something. Okay. 
And so apparently he they he got called out for for allegedly raping a woman. And then his um, Instagram DMs came out where he's like, I want to drink your blood. I want to eat you and da, 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 da. And it apparently goes way back because his family, I guess, is the Army Hammers. I don't know if it's aren't the I think it's the Army Hammer whole brand, brand or whatever. Mm-hmm. Apparently they all crazy. They all sick and weird. And like one was abusive, and the other guy was raping people allegedly. And so it's like a three part series on just them looking into his background as a possible cannibal or sexual uh, sadist. Oh, okay. Well, so we we might need to watch that one and talk about it. We definitely, definitely, definitely do. But you all did big things down there in Georgia this past week. Yes, honey. I voted. Look, okay. I work nights. <laughs> and so I got off work at 5 o'clock that morning, took a power nap, woke up 7.30, drove to my post, voted in approximately five minutes, and I was out there. And I was like, please, I was not going to not vote in this runoff. Right. I mean, you guys had Elma Fudd. Oh, my God. Running against the right Reverend Raphael Warnock. Not <laughs> Like, <laughs> I just, you know, the the GLP should really be ashamed of themselves because they showed how racist they were. Right. Uh, they, they literally showed. was using this man. He, they puppeted him out. But I found oh. him because he really thought he had a chance. And he yeah. couldn't make a... One of his sentences was... <laughs> and I was just like, I'll never forget it. He said, um, we need to tackle high inflation. We need to bring down the cost of goods and pronouns. The cost of goods and pronouns? That's what he said in one of his statements in one of his rallies. Um, This was a, this showed America that lately the GOP does not care uh-huh. about the goodwill and the advancement of people of color and women. Nope. That race that happened in November between Stacey Abrams and Brian Ugh. Trump. Ugh. And I made a post with that exit poll that right. showed that only 11% of white women in the state of Georgia voted for Stacey Abrams. Yep. Now, and... on that ballot was abortion rights. Yeah. And it is known that white women are two times likely to have or have had an abortion compared mm-hmm. to other women in America. Correct. Now, even if you didn't care about Stacey Abrams' politics, you didn't like her appearance, you didn't like her natural hair, I don't care. You had a obligation as a woman, and I can't, you know what, let me retract that because I can't say that as a man. But I feel... I can, as a woman. Because <laughs> that's... It's, again, white women voting against their interest. I saw the exit poll, and I just flatlined. Mm-hmm. 
because like weren't they trying to blame black men for a second not voting yes. black women that's only like, because 18 percent of black men in the state of georgia voted for trump and i get why 18 percent of black men vote for trump i get mm -hmm. it it's a macho thing it's like it's, my truck is bigger than yours type deal it's very much there's still it's still a lot of white supremacy based patriarchy is is very deep in black men yes it's very deep because instead of because black women we have we had to we we are on both sides of the the um base not what's the word i'm trying to say both sides of the oppressed we're women and we're black so we have to carve out the, the same lane but men black men they still can be men and so they try to Grasp on to whatever superiority that white men have, knowing the damn well they ain't gonna let you have it. <laughs> they don't want you to have it. Oh. <laughs> Stop trying to get it. Dismantle it. Build your own so we can go for it. Because the world, this, capitalism is not working. White supremacy is not working for anybody. Not even white people. Poor white people are struggling. Ooh, talk about and if we can just finally wake up and realize that White supremacy is what's holding us, got us in a chokehold more than Beyonce's album had, because it still has me in a chokehold. I play we can all do songs, better. I play songs two through five religiously every day. Oh my God. Alien Superstar was literally my theme song. I woke up to it. They said, You know I what I want to be? Alien Superstar all day. <laughs> and I want to be comfy and cozy in my skin. <laughs> yes, I love church girl. That's my yes. That is my jam. When I'm in the gym, I just go. I in. rolled. I rolled to her out the first one through one through five. Those would be my rolling songs. I'd be like, I'm cozy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. So I'm thinking we're gonna have to do another episode where we go strictly into politics because oh. I definitely want to know more. Also, your nonprofit work. I wouldn't get a chance. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and what y'all do? Because um, that sounds amazing. Great. Thank you so much. The I Am Foundation was founded April of 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was just right after I graduated. Um, I saw a need um because there was no safe space for Black LGBTQ youth to express themselves and cope with societal ills. And so I said, we need to create a safe space for these individuals. We need to let them know that we see them, we hear them, and we love them. And we are going to meet them where they are so they can achieve whatever dreams that they want to achieve. Um, since our founding, we have helped over 20 L Black LGBTQ youth in Chattanooga and Hamilton County not only graduate high school, but graduate college oh. and achieve their dreams of being professionals. We have some that are cops in Philadelphia. Okay. We have some that are attorneys now. We yes. have some that are political activists that are actually on the ground each and every day giving back because to whom much is given, much is required. That's beautiful. And definitely, you still there? Yes. Okay, just make sure. I thought I thought we got to let go because that's amazing. And please make sure you give me that information. Do you have volunteer opportunities? Because I definitely want to get back into the world and start 
Helping you know, and doing definitely, we're our we're you know raining it in since it's the end of the year and it's the holiday season. But right. we're gonna jumpstart um, our 2023 year with ending the slate of hate in Tennessee. We're gonna be doing a lot of political activism one on one, a lot of those trainings. Um, we're gonna be doing a lot of door knocking, a lot of phone banking to get the word out of the slate of hate that is taking place not only in Tennessee but I've noticed America. I saw a demonstration being, I've never seen this in Chattanooga. I, the, the, uh, those, I don't know if they were Proud Boys. Proud Boys. Mm -hmm. I was like, what the hell? Like, I know Chattanooga is no utopia, but I've never, I've actually never seen that. And I was like, so shocked. I, you know, I wrote the governor, well, the organization that wrote the governor, uh, um, October. Mm-hmm. And in that letter, in which he has not responded to Governor Bill Lee, uh. Uh, it, it states that never since the rise of the Ku Klux Klan since have we experienced so much terror and fear uh. that has been invoked. Never, not since the, Ku, the rise of the Ku Klux Klan. Found uh -huh. in Paducah, Tennessee. Right. So we need... Um, we need all hands on deck. We need uh, everyone who is able and willing to be an ally to join forces with us as we end the slate of hate in Tennessee and not just in Tennessee, but all across America. Uh, we build a strong coalition. We are working right now to start the first Rainbow Pact, uh, which is a political action committee uh, in Tennessee to advance and to help sustain uh, LGBTQ uh, candidates. No matter where you are in Tennessee, the Rainbow Pact is wanting to serve you. Mm, I love that and I cannot wait to participate and whatever whatever we need to do to help definitely let us know I'll put that in the show notes and maybe we can start a campaign or a letter writing thing or a phone call or something whatever we gotta do to get that to start working to get, get rid of this slate of hate in Tennessee because this is bullshit <laughs> thank you so much Stana again it has been a pleasure it to be so on great. this show I am so proud of you and the work that you do on the ground day in and day out uh, with mental health awareness and um, closing those gaps that exist uh, in the black and brown communities. So thank you for what you do. Oh my gosh, thank you. That very hits my soul and I feel very emotional. <laughs> and I really appreciate that. Like sometimes I just don't feel like I'm being seen, but hearing you say that makes me feel really good. Thank you, Sean. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, I look forward to having you back on the show. So just let me know when and where. And just uh, we will make sure to put all the show notes and where we can find more information on Sean and the I Am Foundation in the show notes. Um, that way we can support. And just again, thank you for coming on. And everyone, thank you for listening. And I hope you have a great day. And bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>